You're listening to The Profile. Hi, welcome to The Profile podcast. I'm Andy Peck. For the past 17 years, I've been interviewing Christian leaders in the church and charity worlds and in the wider culture. It was John Maxwell who famously said, leadership is influence. It's our prayer that these conversations will help you in whatever spheres you have influence for God, whether in the home, at church, in your workplace or elsewhere. The show is brought to you by Premier Christianity magazine, the UK's leading Christian magazine. Get full online access and the print magazine every month by becoming a subscriber. See special offers available now at premierchristianity.com. Maybe you've heard the story of the girl who went to a jeweller's to choose a necklace and told her mum that she wanted one with a diver on. Puzzled, the mother asked her to identify the necklace and found that the one the girl had mistakenly thought was a diver was actually a crucifix with Jesus on the cross. The truth is that she's not the only one unaware of the symbols and truths of Christianity. The church has a massive communication challenge, and the challenge is made greater by the fact that many of us are nervous of saying anything about our faith at all. Well, to help us think about this, I'm joined by someone who's written an inspirational book, sharing honestly her ups and downs when it comes to talking about her faith. The book is called Translating Jesus, How to Share Your Faith in Language Today's Culture Can Understand. Her name is Shauna Pilgreen. She has planted a church with her husband in San Francisco known as Epic Church, and I'm delighted to be chatting with her now. So welcome, Shauna. Thank you, Andy. So you you moved to San Francisco to plant a church with your husband. How did that all come about? So Ben and I met working youth camps when we were both university students. And when we went to seminary, we knew that we really had put our yes on the table to Jesus, like, God, will go wherever you want us to. And so we started off doing university ministry in both Louisiana and Alabama. And then we took a turn to Missouri and um, Ben was uh, on a teaching staff at a very missions-minded church in the Midwest. And it was while we were there, just got a sense from the Lord that there are so many people in seminaries that would love to be at a church like this, but where is the church not thriving? Where is it? Where is it not working? And so we just began a, just a deep time of prayer and seeking God. And we considered five global cities in the United States, San Francisco being one of them. Um, I have a, have a love for the East Coast and history, and so I was really um, praying specifically towards that, but um, God had other plans, and um, he sent us to San Francisco, which I love because when I put my yes on the table when I was in just in grade school, I really pictured more places like Africa and Asia, and um, I love that we live in a place where it's so um, so diverse. So many nations are living in San Francisco. And so our church is 12 years old now. And uh, we, uh, we're we on Market Street, so the main, the main street in our city. And we're seeing over 60, 70 um, nations represented on a given Sunday. Wow, that's that's terrific. Um, so, so Shawnee, you've you've written this book, uh, Translating Jesus: How to Share Your Faith in Language Today's Culture Can Understand. So, why do you think the church is struggling uh, in this whole area? Well, Andy, what we say inside the church doesn't translate outside the church. I 
I love going um, and just being with our, our faith family on a Sunday. But the things that we sing and what we say inside the church doesn't it doesn't translate. It doesn't have the same effect to someone who's never stepped in and doesn't know Jesus. And so, so often there's this divide of, of what I, what I'm learning inside the church and then how do I communicate it? And so my hope and prayer is that translating Jesus helps us as believers know, how do we take what is so, I mean, the best thing about our lives and how do we present it in a way to our colleagues and our neighbors and our family and friends who don't quite know who Jesus is yet. You've quoted uh, John Stott quite a lot. I've obviously an English um, Bible teacher and uh, thinker uh, and his image of double listening. Uh, so how has that idea helped you, Shauna? Mm. The way I understand John's uh, teaching on this is that we are to be both listening to culture and also listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And if I can even go a little further back than John Stott, <clears throat> I would go back to Paul, where he would enter into a, a city. And before he began to speak into that city, he paid attention to what the people worshipped, to what they valued, to how they spent their days, to what they were learning and studying. And he learned that first before he ever spoke into it. And so with John Stott, it's, it's this idea of like, how do we take... Um, God's word to God's world and make it effective today. So if I may, I'll share a story so you can understand best how to, how I put this into practice. But um, I remember taking a, a rideshare, um, Lyft, Uber is what we have in the States. And um, I took one on the way to church one Sunday. And um, when the driver picked me up, he asked where I was going. And yes, I gave him the address, but I was explaining I'm going to church. And we went both there in by car and we also went there in conversation. He was very curious. And so as we were driving um, on one of our freeways that goes into the heart of our city, there's um, a big billboard and it's actually um, above our Airbnb headquarters in the city. And the billboard said something about the Afghan refugees and, and he pointed to it and he said, that's where I'm from. And he began to tell me um, just the stress of the paperwork and trying to get his parents um, out of there and into the States and, as he continued to share, I could tell just that the stress and unease was growing in the conversation. And um, I just said, I said, sir, if you'll keep your eyes open as you as you take me to church, I would love to pray for you. Can I do that? And and we had already made the connection that we both believe in God. And so I, I prayed to God. And as I did, I prayed for, um, yeah, for his parents and for for peace. And of course, I prayed in, in the name of Jesus. And as he pulled up to drop me off, he said two things. He said, one. No one's ever prayed for him before. And two, he's never experienced that peace like he did in that moment, which all of that goes to God. But I share that story to say, that's what it looks like to double listen. I'm hearing what he's saying. And what he's saying is, I need peace. I need help. I'm stressed out. And what the Holy Spirit was saying to me is, Shauna, you can bring me into the situation through prayer. So that's an idea of what it looks like to double listen. Ah, splendid, Sean. I love it. Love it very much. So there's a big challenge on because obviously many Christians are in their little enclaves or in their church. They've got their friends and they kind of think, oh, yeah, I really ought to <laughs> connect with those outside. And um, the concept is is talked of, of, of friendship evangelism used to be quite popular. Uh, and so people think, oh, well, I'll make some friends and then I can share the faith with them, which which kind of makes 
out that people are like an evangelistic project. And that's kind of been criticized, rightly so. But nevertheless, that 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 there is a challenge if you're stuck in your church world and you want to share, friendship seems to be a good way. So talk about your mentality when it comes to coming to you. Know, you arrived in San Francisco and you got to know people. What was your mindset for that? Yeah, Andy, I resonate with everything you just said. I I, I came to, to faith as a, a young girl. And so I definitely grew up where I was encouraged to find that friend and share Jesus with them and get them to church. And um, again, there's nothing completely wrong with that because as, as followers of Jesus, we love him so much and we want other people to know him. But I think sometimes that approach can come across um, quite urgent. And um, we put that maybe before we put the friendship and the the person that we want to do life with. So I um, I think just in, in living in, in a global city and living in San Francisco, um, even though we live in a very fast place culture. I think the one thing that I'm learning is to slow down when it comes to developing these friendships and that it's not ultimately up to me. And I'm always amazed when I do slow down, realizing that God's been at work in their lives. Um, maybe I see it and they don't, um, maybe they see it as well. Um, but I think if we just, if we slow down, we can recognize that it's, it's not just up to us, that God is at work. And, um, it could be that we are planting the seed or we're watering the seed or we're seeing it come to harvest. I remember just, just a few weeks ago, there was a young lady from Romania who moved to our city to go to university. And, um, at the very end of the service, she just um, very boldly said, I'm ready to follow Jesus. And so I was like, where did this come from? And she just explained that she was invited to a youth camp over the summer. And someone introduced her to Jesus. She found a, a quick church home before she moved to the States. But I just got to experience the harvest. But it was someone else who planted that seed and, and, and watered it. But um, yeah, living in the city and, and figuring this out, I, I think for all of us, we need to be... Um, we need to be finding places where, whether it's a hobby or um, strolls through our neighborhood, where we just begin to say, like, God, who who is it that you you want me to be in friendship with? That you want me to encourage today? Um, it's yes, we desire that everyone comes to know Him, but it might not be we might not be the one that is introducing them to Jesus, or it might be that we're the one that that's working on discipleship with them. I don't I don't know, but I do think if we um, just have more of a mindset of um, I, I actually didn't say this in the book, Andy, but it's something that I've, um, that's just been a stirring in me since the book has, has been released. And it's that evangelism is not coercion or conversion, but evangelism is a caring conversation. And I think for, for us, it's that um, what I know about Jesus would be ridiculous for me not to share, for me not to introduce you um, to who he is and what he can do for you. So um I think just hope as a bit of an encouragement that it's just a burden lifted, that it's not all up to us, um, but there's power. There's power in his name. Thanks. Thanks, Shauna. Um, in the book, you use the images of the gate, the cross and the table as a kind of structure for what you say. So perhaps you could just introduce those metaphors uh, for us. Yeah. Yeah. So Andy, these three, these three places, um, three sections of the book are three places that Jesus spent time. He spent time at the gate we know what he accomplished on the cross. And then he spent a lot of time at the table. I think my favorite moment is um, just after Matthew had decided to follow him and Matthew invites all his friends over, you know, other tax collectors and um, non-believers. 
and uh, he reclines. He reclines at table. He's he's quite comfortable in, in who he is and where he's from and what he's um, on earth to do. So those three places are where he spent time. And I think we have a lot to learn about how he spoke at those three places, but also how he listened at those three places. So the idea that the gate represents our marketplace, it represents you know, when our, our feet walk out of our home and our apartment, we're at the gate. That's where we spend most of our time. And and the cross represents just um, both our, our personal time with the Lord, but it also represents Christian community that is so crucial to our faith. And then the table represents ideally those places where we can both engage with um, Christians and non-Christians. Uh, how wonderful is it when we can occupy space and um, we can practice that double listening where we're listening to culture and we're also um just following those promptings of the Holy Spirit. So um, yeah, I would say that if you're able to get the book in your hands, you can read the book actually one of two ways. You could read all the chapters at the gate, the cross and the table, or you could choose to read a cross and you could learn the language at all three places, know the landscape at all three places. Um, so I tried to be um, somewhat um, creative in how I set the table of contents up. Splendid. Thank you. Um, uh, Shauna, the, I, I'm sure the, diff, the, the answers to this question might be different in London to San Francisco. But as you listen to some of the language and under, misunderstanding about the faith, what are the kind of key things that come up for you as, as you try and think, yeah, I need to translate Jesus into that because actually that's a completely wrong idea of, of, of what Christianity is? Yeah, I am constantly learning as I... Um, listen, listen to what people are saying. And um, I have an opportunity to do this often as we uh, run Alpha at our church and get to engage in in questions and, and listening. But I would say some of the ones that I'm hearing often or maybe most common where I live is that, um, that Christianity is weak, that, um, that those who are a part of the church or followers of Jesus are um, unintelligent. I also hear that um, perhaps it's like an add-on to life, that it's just a little side, a side that might you might order at a restaurant, um, that it's, it's not the main thing. Um, so I think those that are even, maybe even open to it or, or comfortable talking about it, um, it just seems to just to be something that's over to the side, um, a side dish. And in our, in our society, People can have lots of side dishes. You can order order quite quite a few, and so I think for those that are open, um, which I think at the beginning it's 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 a nice approach if they're open and they've got both um, Christianity and a few other religions that they're considering. I think that's still an open door where they're open to listening. So um, I would say that's probably what I'm seeing right now. Uh, Sean, of all the stories you tell, and you you tell tons of, of wonderful, inspirational stories in your book, uh, what's the one, one that kind of stands out to you that you love sharing most? I think the one that I'm probably asked to share the most is the story of Charleston. He's chapter three in the book. Um, so I, I would be happy to share that one. Uh, but it's a, it's a close second with my, my friend Monty, but... Um, He's actually in all three sections. And I think the one the one reason why um, Monty stands out to me is just that um, I'm still engaged in friendship with him, whereas Charleston is someone that um, I don't know if I'll ever see again. But I'll, I'll tell you, if I might, the story sure. of Charleston. Sure. So I was uh, in between some meetings and um, doing a little bit of shop therapy. We have a store, a store uh, called Marshall's. It's 
Um, it would be similar to like a TK Maxx here in London. And um, it's right across the street from, from our church space. And so I had gone into Marshall's and I was um, sliding through some of the hangers with, with dresses and uh, a, a large gentleman bumps up right against me as I'm shopping. And um, he quickly uh, apologized and he got back to what he was doing. And um, my eyes kind of rolled over to what he was doing. And I realized he was taking some store goods and he was placing them in um, the, the large layers he was wearing. So was, he was shoplifting. And I found myself just completely frozen, not knowing what to do. Um, while mentally I was thinking I needed to get out of, I needed to leave and move to a different section of the store, if not out of the store altogether. But um, that's not what my body chose to do. I, I was quite frozen. And uh, as I stood there, I just felt this sense in my spirit that I was supposed to tell him that Jesus loves him. And uh, I realized I don't think I'm going to be able to move until I, until I obey. And so um, I worked up the courage all within seconds and I, I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, sir, I don't know. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm supposed to tell you that Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. And um, the minute I finished saying that he turned and looked at me and he gave me the most sincere thank you I think I've ever received. And uh, while I was grateful for that, I was also grateful that um, my body was no longer paralyzed and I took the dress and I, I proceeded to the dressing room and I finished up in there. And as I came out, um, by the way, the dress fit just fine. Uh, I was getting ready to check out. And as I come out of the dressing room, the gentleman is standing there waiting on me. And um, don't think scared, but just think being caught up in something that you know the Holy Spirit must be involved in. And so uh, he stands there and he says, ma'am, he said, what you just shared with me, I haven't heard in a very long time. And I told him, I told him my name, Shauna. He told me his name, Charleston. And it was actually his grandmother who gave him his name and his grandmother who first and would often tell him how much Jesus loves him. And so I said, Charleston, I meant what I said. He does. And uh, I actually had an invite card to church that I gave him. And um, we parted and went on our ways. And what I would love to share, which was so wonderful, is that um, after I went to go try on the dress, I noticed that a store employee had brought a basket to him. And instead of accusing him of shoplifting, she just put the basket and said, sir, if you need this for your, your shopping, um, feel free to use it. So as I go to check out, it was this lady that... Um, was the cashier. And she tells me that what I told him, she affirmed in him. So that day I was in between meetings and um, this store employee, which happened to be the manager of the store, uh, was on the clock. And yet we both got to share Jesus with this gentleman who went into the store to shoplift um, and didn't end up shoplifting. Um, so I don't know where Charleston is today, but I, I think and pray often for him. And um, just believing that someone else is planting another seed. Oh, that's wonderful, and it just shows the adventure of of what you're doing, being open to God and looking for opportunities. There's nothing nothing like it, really. But sadly, too many of us uh, are too timid or shy to to get engaged. So it's a super story. Thank you, Shauna. Um, if if someone's listening and thinking, yeah, I'm I'm really nervous about all this stuff, but you're absolutely right. I need to share my faith more. I need to have the courage. What kind of mindset should people have as they start each day? Do you think what 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 would be the the key things in their head or the key prayers they should be asking God God for? Well, Andy, you just said it. I love that idea of adventure, and I think um, with this one life that we have to live, um, 
you know, I, I actually describe a little bit of this in my first book, Love Where You Live, as uh, Henry Nouwen often talks about those things in our days that um, we call interruptions, are interruptions, they're just that. Um, but they're also moments where um, maybe God has other ideas for our day than we do. And so I think just even beginning the day of um, like, Holy Spirit, as I begin this day with you, I don't want this day to be just about me. I believe that you want to use me to be a blessing to someone else. And so I think I think going on an adventure every day. Um, and I think for most of us, um, our days are probably quite routine and mundane. Um, but yeah, what would it look like for, um, yeah, what would it look like today for the Holy Spirit just to, to guide our steps and, and lead us into a conversation? I think so much, so many times we as Christians are far more fearful um, when in actuality, the people that we engage with on a given day, they're the ones that are living in fear. And what we have, the love of Jesus, the hope of the world, um, an assurance of who he is and um, eternity concrete in all of us as believers. Um, what a game changer that is if we were to go into our day just confident and certain of who we are, believing that, um, yeah, maybe it's an open door, maybe it's a closed door, maybe it's a moment to pray with someone, maybe it's a moment to speak a blessing to someone. And um, what I have found, um, and I believe it's not just something for myself, I believe it's for all believers, all followers of Jesus, is that as we begin to look for these opportunities and we um, we get the confidence to say something, um, it becomes quite contagious. Oh, fabulous. And and Shawnee, you one of my favorite stories in the book is the uh, uh, time on the in the um airplane when you uh there's a woman behind you i think who asks yes. you are you are you an author or something like yes. that <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah again it's just um wow god but i think um the the whole idea of the language of culture that i describe in really the whole first section of the book is paying attention when we're paying attention to what god's doing um he's so gracious he uh he works in ways that just blow our minds. So yeah, there was a woman flying home from Africa. We were flying home from Europe and um, she had not even seen my face. She could, she could only see a part of my arm through between the two chairs. And she slips me the, um, the airplane napkin and she says, are you an author? And um, well, yes, I was. And only to begin a conversation with this woman. And she, for several hours on the flight had fought even working up the courage to say something, but because she did, um, not only did we begin a lovely conversation on the plane, um, it's actually been a friendship that's still ongoing. So again, it never hurts to ask. That's one of my life mottos. Well, fantastic, uh, Shauna. Anything I haven't asked you that you think actually, I really want to get that across to your listeners. Hmm. You know, I would think um, just as someone who is a church planter and, um, and pastoring a a church in a global city, I think it's often um, not just the Christians, but I think it's often even um, the pastors and the, the leadership of the church that it's so easy to um, expect this of the congregation and expect this of um, maybe an outreach team or an evangelism committee that I would just even challenge um, those of us who I don't know. I think some of us as, as church staff, we often maybe have the hardest time with this because we not only are we at church, but we're working for the church and we're there all the time. Um, but I would really just encourage pastors and, and leaders in the church to really make time for this. I think for, for the church to grow, for the church to thrive, um, 
we as pastors, we really need to be modeling this. So um, yeah, just I think as, as often as we want our congregation to make time to be at church on Sunday, I would encourage pastors and staff to make time to be um, in culture, um, whether it's a hobby or um, inviting neighbors over. So um, I don't know, I just have a, I have a soft spot for those of us that are on staff. And I think um, we of all people maybe even need most of the promptings. Well, thank you, Shauna. That's a wonderful encouragement. And and thank you for your enthusiasm for this, uh, a key element of uh, Christian life. So thank you. Thanks, Andy. It was super to chat with Shauna Pilgreen, the author of Translating Jesus, How to Share Your Faith in Language Today's Culture Can Understand. And it was a glorious reminder that we have this wonderful message to share but also that we need to connect and listen to our culture, which, of course, means listening to people. So maybe that'd be an encouragement for us to ask the good kind of questions that Jesus always asked to try and find out where people are at and then uh, to know how to connect with them better and to share something of God's love with them. So I commend the book to you and also this idea of being consciously open to the spirit each day it was certainly an encouragement for me to be more open and intentional in my approach to each day and that mindset may be a blessing to you too so this is andy peck thanking you for your company and praying that god may use your days to share something of his love with those around you bye for now You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine.